Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate NFL Week 11 Sunday Scariest Pod, brought to you by Untuck It. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined out in Chicago by my brother, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, we are back after no pick'em pod. How are you doing? You holding up? Doing well. We were talking about it a little earlier. I have a question for you. Um, we were discussing what we ate for dinner. I told you I got a panini for dinner. What's the difference between a panini and a sandwich? A panini is pressed, where a sandwich is not. But if you toast a sandwich, that's not a panini? That's something different? Mm, like if you toast the bread separately? Like a panini press, it presses the sandwich down. Yeah, so I get that. Normal, but like, yeah. but say you go to Subway um, and you mm-hmm. got to toast it there. They put the sandwich in the toaster. So that's just different. The only thing that makes it a panini is them pressing it down. Correct. Interesting. I was thinking about that earlier and thought I'd ask you. Okay. Well, I'm glad glad you used that uh, the first minute of the pod. You were in Vegas for a conference. Uh, did you learn anything? Did it help you this weekend, gambling-wise? Didn't help me gambling-wise. Uh, it was fun to be there, get out of this awful weather we've been having uh, in Chicago. But it was a good time. Glad to be back on the airways. Upset we didn't get to do the pick pod. But the way our locks of the week went, um, maybe it was better. Yeah. I mean, maybe... I think a Sunday lock of the week trend for us. This is one and done for us. Uh, we we both lost our lock of the week, and I mean we kind of lost our minds with how our, our how our picks went. But also, I think has anyone talked about if Miles Garrett losing his mind has any correlation to no pick and pod during the week? Maybe so. We'll use that as a transition into the Sunday scariest moment. So that was kind of mine. Um, I think for ESPN, Mike Greenberg especially, Sunday scariest moment for him is they can't spend the entire Get Up show talking about it, uh, the Miles Garrett incident. On Friday morning, I was watching Get Up and First Take, flipping between those two shows. And for about two hours, that was literally the only thing they talked about, the Miles Garrett incident. It was bad. Bad luck for him. Bad luck for the Browns. Um, but the reaction to it was just so much worse. All, you know, the people on Twitter trying to have the moral high ground, like everyone knew it was bad. 
like you didn't have to really tweet to put your opinion out there, but it was just so sickening to hear the endless discussion about it. Yeah, it was it was an all time Twitter evening between that game. I and I was not actually watching that game live, but as I got back to my apartment, I was watching. Uh, I just went on Twitter and saw. The, the brawl taking place and Carmelo signed with the Trailblazers. Um, it, Twitter Twitter was was in a special place that evening, and I agree. I think past couple of days it's just been a take quake. Everyone in the world uh, getting getting their take out there, and uh, one side or the other. It seems like you can't be in the middle on this one, but um, yeah, I mean Mason Rudolph really could have gotten <laughs> very seriously injured and i think the the funnier thing is for the browns they've they've won two in a row now but like they just continue to not be able to get out of their own way um so now they're without their best defensive player indefinitely um their schedule is still very favorable and in the afc we've talked about it someone's got to get that six seed um so maybe maybe they will get hot but again that they just continue to take one step forward, two steps back, but we'll see if they can keep winning without without uh, Miles Garrett. Definitely, it was just everyone on Twitter trying to get their moral compass out there and basically say the same thing, word it differently. And I thought what was low key, like maybe as dirty as what Garrett did, was Ojinobi, the other guy on the Browns, um, just completely blindsiding Mason Rudolph during that whole thing. Rudolph had his helmet off and he just shoves Rudolph down from behind like that was super dirty I know Marquise Pouncey was throwing punches but at that point like he's defending his teammate I don't know what else he's supposed to do so I feel like the guy in the brown should have the same suspension as Pouncey um that was super dirty just cheap shotting guy from behind without a helmet on when he's not looking and what it really takes away from from what happened in the actual game is Mason Rudolph is terrible um we both were, were we both agreed on taking the Steelers in our pick em pool. And like from the start of the game, I was like, this has no chance. Rudolph is terrible. The receivers outside of Juju aren't very good. Their offense just has like no chance really versus any above average defense. So that, that bad he played. Yeah, Mason Rudolph's also, he's taken some wild hits this year. And the fact that he's still uh playing <laughs> like he's he'll be out there next week is pretty wild first off his concussion where it looked like he may have actually died on the field and then again taking the helmet to the head um still out there but yeah the the Steelers are such an enigma of a team uh we took them in our pick em pool uh felt like on a short week they get the job done but yeah like you said and what we saw last week versus the Rams uh when they burned me it wasn't because of their offense their offense continues to struggle and be a bit anemic um but i i think if yeah if if you are if you are a browns fan you just gotta i don't i don't even know it's been such a roller coaster every year but at the end of the, the end of the day they're in a position to actually make a run so i guess you, all in all you're you're in a good state Definitely. It's, I mean, it's going to hurt not having Garrett out there. He is their best player and he's having a really good year. So that'll have a huge impact. It'll be interesting to see how they respond moving forward. You know, Baker, OBJ, Kitchens, they all said the right things uh, mm-hmm. after the game, but it'll just be interesting to see how they react. And this is just kind of the culmination of what's been a really undisciplined team seeing this and in a meaningless play. It was like the uh, Malice at the Palace in the NBA 15 years ago. That game was decided and there was under a minute left that fight broke out and this was like basically the last play of the game and the fight broke out so it was wild and it was a chippy game throughout so it wasn't super surprising something happens like this because there were some really hard hits during the game but what's your sunday scariest moment yeah my sunday scariest moment was around 5 15 5 30 eastern time um my lock of the week had lost at that point i had put some money on the texans ravens over which we'll get to that game shortly 49ers were down 16 nothing i'd also uh put some money on the pats they were down 10 nothing so it was the kind of moment where you're just sitting there being like why one why do i gamble two why do i spend this much time watching sports like this just isn't um this is an enjoyable experience right now uh luckily the niners flip they end up winning a thriller which will get to the pats come back and and get the job done they cover um but yeah that just that like 20 minute time period just 
really just summed up the Sunday scaries for me, just being like, all right, well, everything's gone haywire. Had a great day of gambling Saturday. I was riding IU football, IU basketball. They did quite well for me. Um, and then it, it's, it seemed like everything was going to flip on its head today, but luckily a couple of these uh, teams, Niners and Pats, were able to right the ship for me. I know. Luckily the 49ers won because it would have kept off just an all-time awful football week. The Monday night game versus Seattle was devastating loss. I haven't felt that like awful about a sporting loss in years. That was really bad. That felt like a playoff game, and I don't want to talk about it anymore because it gets me upset. And then the IU game yesterday, they should have won. We'll talk about it later. Um, so I was right there with you at that point. Um, you know, the 49ers, you look at the box score, and they kind of dominated. They started off slow, which I think we were both expecting coming off that emotional game versus Seattle, Monday night, shorter week. And Arizona got up 16 nothing, And then the 49ers came back, scored 17 straight points. They were driving again, looked like, you know, they were going to really take control and kind of put the game away. Jimmy G throw, forces a pass on third down, terrible interception in the red zone. Cardinals come down, score a field goal, and then you knew we were kind of in a dogfight from there. So luckily they were able to pull it out. I think a division game like this is never never easy. And the Cardinals are three seven one, but they're a lot better than that record reflects. They're super frisky. Kyler Murray's good. I'm I'm glad we're not going to play them again, honestly, because like the announcer said, I think they're going to continue to get better as the year goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they may be three seven and one, but they're a strong against the spread team. Um, and I mean for the 49ers to win this game, the the ten point win is ultimately uh, very deceiving. Obviously, Jimmy G led them down the field late in the game, hits Jeff Wilson Jr. And I mean, we texted about it. I was like, why is Jeff Wilson Jr. in the game? He hasn't played a snap all game. Of course, he catches a game-winning touchdown, so good for him, undrafted free agent. Um, but yeah, an all-time bad beat for anyone who had the Cardinals plus nine and a half. We had it we didn't actually bet on it, but like through our, our book, it was at 10. Um, so an, an all-time push, if you had the 49ers in a teaser, which I imagine was a very popular play as well, that that's an incredible win for you, exhilarating. And it was the kind of thing where the 49ers gave the ball back to the Cardinals, and I was still nervous because Kenny Drake in these two matchups versus the 49ers has had some success. We know what he did last year versus the Pats, and I just like had this bad feeling about it. Um, but luckily, I mean, I have no idea what the guy in the Cardinals was doing. He was just trying to like, keep the ball alive, but he cost uh, people a ton of money. Um, I think whether it was gambling-wise, um, fantasy football-wise, the 49ers, I imagine, are, are being started in every fantasy football league. So that was an all-time moment. And, yeah, like you said, as, as a 49er fan, coming off that Monday night football loss just to survive in advance, this game with the gauntlet coming up that the 49ers do have, and only they only rush for 34 yards, which is crazy. They, the whole team is injured, it seems like, um, but they win. That's all that matters. And um, I thoughts and prayers to anyone that had Cardinals plus nine and a half because that is the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, it's brutal. And like you said, some people had at 10, so you push, which still sucks because it feels like that was a lock the entire game. But why didn't they kick the extra point? I was really confused by that. I guess it was because like, everyone ran on the field at that point. But I feel like usually in that situation, you would kick – the extra point um regardless or at least have to run a play i don't know if they would have kicked it but that was another angle i was looking at like people who had the 49ers maybe think they got saved and they could have had that last second uh extra point to push well, it over I, the edge I don't, I don't think they normally do i, I feel like they, they don't normally kick the extra point no i'm yeah. thinking I don't know why this was the first game i remember but the the saints vikings playoff game from a couple of years ago um, when Diggs scored the game-winning touchdown and they won yeah. that game. I remember they went out. They didn't kick it, but they had to run a play. And there was like another game. I think it was the Monday night game, Seattle Packers with years ago with the refereeing mistake on that mm-hmm. last second Hail Mary. I think they ran a play after too. So I don't know. I, guess, I mean, the refs aren't thinking of the spread, but I'm sure 49er backers were hoping they'd at least kick the extra point there. Um, so wild uh, turn of events. And, the thing you mentioned, the 49ers run game is a little concerning. It hasn't been great the last few weeks. I think once they get Kittle back, that kind of 
takes it over the top because he's a great blocker. Um, he's not just a great receiving tight end. He's one of the best blockers, you know, in the NFL. So I think once they get him back, that'll kind of help right the ship there. Mm-hmm. And and Kyler Murray continues to look really good. He obviously played well in their Thursday night game a couple weeks back, but he only threw for 150 passing yards. But he had two touchdowns. He rushed for 67. He had to go ahead rushing touchdown late in the fourth quarter. He's going to be a problem. I'm um, not not thrilled that he's going to be in the the division for a while. Um, and if if this Cardinals team was in like the AFC South, they're they're in the mix for for a playoff spot. Definitely. I'm not excited about Kyler. Their defense is very weak, but if they can upgrade that, upgrade the offensive line a little bit, they're going to be right there with the other teams in the NFC West. Seems like this is a team that's going to be a problem uh, for years to come. And a quick last note on this game, uh, we were talking about it earlier. Cliff Kingsbury gets a lot of, uh, you know, attention for being very good looking. I think he's, I think his looks are very overrated it, i think it was a texas tech thing when he's in college he you know was a little better looking now it looks like he's aged like 50 years in the few months he's been an nfl coach he he's not uh as handsome as some would say uh so i just wanted to get that point out there did you have anything to add or should we move on to uh the ravens texans I mean, it's it's hard when you're or you're going against someone like Jimmy G that is quite as handsome as he is, um, and even Kyle Shanahan, good-looking guy, young. Um, I think I think Cliff Kingsbury had a strong showing at his first press conference, but it's a tough job being an NFL head coach. We wouldn't know, but we could imagine. Um, so yeah, again, thoughts and prayers, anyone Cardinals plus nine and a half, or even if you even if you had Cardinals plus 10 that game should have never pushed but it did um and that's and that's why the Sunday scaries exist but let's let's get to the early the premier early game was Ravens Texans we were excited about it um I think we talked about it last Sunday just kind of looking ahead I this was such a disappointing game um as someone who who bet on the over I was excited to see Deshaun and Lamar uh spar and two MVP candidates go at it um, and the Texans just really they didn't show up Deshaun Watson got sacked six times seemed like he was kind of running for his life he did not play very well today on the flip side of the coin Lamar Jackson he just the show goes on with him he continues to put up just video game numbers like he's playing on uh, beginner mode in Madden um, he's he's on another level he, he threw he's 17 for 24 today 222 yards four passing touchdowns his over under before the season started on passing touchdowns was 15 and a half he smashed that he again rushed for 86 yards this Ravens team is is peaking right now um, I, and I mean, the 49ers go there in a couple weeks to play them. This this team seems like Tyler. They can play defense now, which they really couldn't do early in the season. Yeah, that was the knock on them at the beginning of the season. The defense wasn't the same as we've seen from previous Ravens defenses, but the trade for Marcus Peters was huge. He's been an immediate upgrade. Seems like their front seven's playing better. Like you said, Watson was under pressure all game. And I thought this was a game the Texans would play well and potentially win, and that just didn't happen. They got absolutely dominated. The Ravens outgained them, basically doubled their yardage, 491 to 232, and a lot of that was garbage time for the Texans. They outpossessed them by 13 minutes. Uh, Houston had two turnovers, Baltimore had none, and Lamar Jackson is just, like you said, a video game, just the way he could get away from the pass rush and extend plays, and his throwing, which was highly questioned coming into the league, has continued to get stronger and stronger. Mark Andrews is a really good tight end, so like you said, they're peaking right now. Um I think they're much better than the Patriots. I know they've beat them, so that's not a crazy take, but I think they're kind of in a class of themselves because just how explosive that offense is and they can run it, and with Lamar's throwing, it it makes it hard to defend because you have to, any given play, there's so many potential options they could do. Mm -hmm. And I I do feel like Mark Andrews really has emerged this year. I think people were questioning uh, if Lamar is going to take the next step, who's he actually going to throw the ball to? And Mark Andrews has kind of become the rock there. And Mark Ingram as a pickup during the offseason. Very underrated. He, he's perennially underrated. I wrote him off in all my fantasy drafts being like, mm, eh, timeshare, like he's not going to do much. Um, I don't think I've ever owned him in anything. Just 
again, perennially underrated, written off. He's been a great pickup for them. Um, and this team just continues to roll. Um, so we'll see. They, they have a tough matchup next week. They go to L.A. to play the Rams, and then they host the 49ers. So we'll see what happens. They're, they're in a prime position for a top two seed in, in the AFC. Um, I was looking at their schedule. They, they still have a couple divisional games mixed in. They play the Bills. Um, so a couple of tough games mixed in there, but it's it, it seems like we're going to get I mean, we could potentially get – it would be cool if the Chiefs got to the three seed and we could see Mahomes versus Lamar again because I think we all we all want to see that. Yeah, that, that would be awesome. And for the Texans, just like such a disappointing kind of typical Texans game uh, where they just drop a dud versus a good team. They did win an arrowhead earlier this year, which was a great win. But, you know, today, like you said, Deshaun versus Lamar, kind of like an MVP-type matchup and. They just completely dropped the ball. The offensive line didn't play well. The defense got torched. So it's disappointing on their end. And now they're out of first place in the AFC South. They're the sixth seed right now, tied with the Raiders. So they're not even a lock to get in. They have a huge Thursday night game coming up next week against the Colts. Uh, and that game is at home, I believe. Um, it is in Houston, yeah. So that's that's going to be a huge game, basically, for the division there. So they're going to have to win that one. Um, but disappointing game on their part. But let's move on to the late game, the premier game, Patriots-Eagles. Patriots won 17-10. to And I don't know about you, Cody, but the Eagles were so hyped up coming into this season that they were the best team in the NFC by far. Wentz was going to get back uh, to his you know MVP level. They're just so like bland to watch. There's nothing exciting about this team. Their talent is super overrated. Their receiving core is so slow. That's why they brought in Deshaun Jackson. He's been hurt. But there's just like nothing special about this team. It's a typical like NFC East team that like maybe gets in, but I've not been impressed with them at all. No, and and I love it. There's just so much hype coming into the season. Um I, and Carson Wentz just I know Nelson Aguilar had a had a game like just a backbreaking drop in the end zone at the end of this game as as they're driving to tie the game. Um, but that, I, was a, I, that would have been a that would have been a crazy catch. That was tough. It's still again it hits them in the hands. We saw what yeah. happened when they played Atlanta back on Sunday Night Football. I think was that like week two something like that. Mm-hmm. But I. Uh, I mean, I got into it on the Twitter streets early today when I tweeted out my pick, uh, basically saying like the Pats minus uh, four and a half on the road, and and our good friends who who make our T-shirts at Design Tree um, retweet or responded to my tweet saying, uh, "Take the Eagles, you cowards!" So we got into a nice little uh, Twitter bet there. So um, since the Pats covered, they're going to be giving out a, a full slate t-shirt. So we'll figure out the details on that and tweet that out. But I was, I was quite happy by this result. Cause I felt like I l- had a little extra, uh, on the line of this game. Um, but the Patriots defense is incredible. That's why they won this game. Brady did not look good. And I mean, I was I was mostly watching the 49ers game, but basically through DirecTV, you can do the split screen. So I had it up and just a lot of incompletions from him. He went 26 of 47, uh, very un-Tom Brady-like, 216 yards, no passing touchdowns. Julian Edelman uh, had, had a nice pass, uh, just bringing back his college days. But I, this Patriots team, again, they're 9-1. Um the the top seed in the AFC right now, but I, I agree with your take, um, and I, we could definitely be prisoners of the moment. I've been one to write them off. I thought going into this year they'd take a step back, but their offense just like wh- like who on this who in this receiving core like really scares you? They traded for Mohamed Sanu. He didn't really do anything today. Um, they're just missing playmakers um so we'll see i mean if the defense can continue to deliver sure they'll have a chance but again i'm i'm i think i'm fading tom brady like i think he's over the hill so we'll see how how well that take ages since it hasn't the past three years yeah i mean he's he's definitely showing signs of a guy who's over 40 playing in the nfl still he's not sharp um 
I don't know. I'm not going to write him off just yet because it's burned us in the past and he's, you know, proven people wrong, but it's definitely not the same offense they've had um, outside of Edelman. I don't really like any of their skill players. Their running backs are so bland. Like Sonny Michelle runs into the offensive line every play. He doesn't provide anything. James White's okay at uh, receiving out of the backfield, but like you said, not no one that really scares you. And I think when they go up against better offenses, they will struggle a bit. We saw them get torched by the Ravens um, a couple weeks ago, and they play the Cowboys next week. Like that's a legit offense. We'll see how the defense holds up, and can like the, the Patriots' offense <clears throat> like get into a shootout style game? Can they keep up? I don't know. Like we haven't really seen a lot from them this year. The schedule's been so weak, um, and even like the game versus the Bills, they won. That was because of their defense. So their defense is going to have to continue to win them games. But I will be interested to see in the game where the defense struggles a little bit, can the offense carry the water for this team? And like you and like we said, I just don't love their skill players at all. No, and especially both these teams came in off a of bye. We had it was a little brisk here on the East Coast, but definitely. Could be good offense weather. I, I thought the Pets, I thought Brady was going to look good. I thought with the extra week of rest and coming off uh, the loss to the Ravens, I, it felt like they were going to try and uh, put on a little bit of a show and remind people that they still are the New England Patriots. So, I mean, we'll see. I'm, I'm not very bullish on them. I think the Ravens are interesting. And if the Chiefs can be healthy come playoff time, there's a chance they could just outscore this Pats team. So we'll see. Yeah, that's how they're going to have to win. Their defense is so terrible. Um, I, guess that's also, that, I guess that's also how you win, too, right? If you just outscore the other team. So good that's t- factual. <laughs> a, good, a good take by me. Yeah, definitely a good point by you. Um, the Chiefs are just going to have to outscore everybody. Their defense sucks. Um, the game last week versus Tennessee, we saw what happened. If you have any kind of run game, you're going to be able to torch them and stay on the field. But I still think they're a team to consider once Mahomes is fully healthy. And one last point on the Eagles, like Wentz was 20 of 40, 214 yards a touchdown, just like nothing that's really getting you excited about anything he's doing. Like at what point? does that 2017 MVP type season just like maybe that was the peak and like that was a fluke and he's not as good because you know the receivers aren't great but I feel like it's always so many excuses with Wentz and that offense like the drops or you know the offensive line it's always like someone other than him like at what point is Wentz just maybe not that good we may be nearing that point. We shall see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, no Alshon Jeffrey, no Jordan Howard, no Deshaun Jackson. I mean, he basically has Ertz and the corpse of uh, Nelson Aguilar and Jordan Matthews. Like, there's there's not a lot there, but I agree. I think a, a good quarterback just kind of figures it out. So we're going to take a quick break here, have a word from our sponsors at Untucket, and then be back with a Lock of the Week recap. The holidays are almost here, and you know what that means. Gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall at just the right length, no matter his size. So he looks casual and sharp. You can find your favorite untucked style online or check out one of their 80 brick-and-mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. Within Tucket, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to help you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untucket is the way to go. Visit untucket.com and use code BLUE. For 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, Cody, let's move on to a dreaded segment on tonight's show, the <laughs> Lock of the Week recap. 0-2 day for us. Really rough. Um, who, Bad who job get, by us. Bad who, should, job. Who, who wants to get started here? <laughs> you know what? I think you should get started. Okay. So Since... I took... let's let's go by point differential i don't know how we decided on that but okay i took the carolina panthers minus three and a half at home versus the falcons and they 
they they got their ass kicked. They lost twenty nine <laughs> to three outright. This Falcons team is, I guess, showing signs of the team that they were supposed to be coming into the year. It's what I said last week. They're gonna finish like with six or seven wins on the season. There's gonna be excitement how they finish the year. Dan Quinn will come back, and then we'll just rerun this year again next year where they're not as good as we think, and they just kind of win some games towards the end. I mean, you look at the box score. They had the same amount of yards, basically. Not a huge difference on time of possession, um, but the differentiator in this game was turnovers. Kyle Allen threw four picks, and he was. And also, the Falcons had a special teams touchdown. Kyle Allen was terrible. Um, we praised him last week how he played versus the the Packers, but what he did in that game, he did more today. Just making like really careless decisions. He threw two interceptions in the red zone that kind of killed it uh, early on. And the Panthers, I think. I think this ends their chances at the playoffs. Five and five. You need ten wins at least, at least to get into the, the NFC playoffs. And I just think it's too hard, too, what is it, too steep of a mountain to climb at this point. Um, mm-hmm. They would have to go five and one down the stretch. I don't think they're capable of doing that. Um, so just a terrible game all around. Really, never had any life. Um, you could tell from the second start the Falcons. You know, last week wasn't a fluke, and they're starting to play a little better. So, disappointing. Um, I'm, you know, still seven and four on the season, so over five hundred. But I'll have to be better next week. Yeah, you have to be better. I wonder. Do you think any of the, any of this has to do with you being ready for Dan Quinn to be fired a couple weeks ago? I, I guess it's kind of like it's like kind of like a yeah, it's like a Dan Quinn revenge game, somewhat called. I think. Yeah, bad karma by me, but I will say. Uh, you know, I lost my lock of the week. You lost your lock of week. All that matters is the records. Um, so however many points they may have lost by, missed the spread by, doesn't matter. A win's a win. A loss is a loss. So I'll take this one on the chin, get better for next week, and uh, give everyone that listens to this podcast a winner. Okay. That was, that was very grown up of you and responsible. Christian McCaffrey, again, he had another another good game, even in the midst of all this. Um he continues to put up numbers, but I think what you said about uh, the Panthers' playoff hopes being put to bed, I think this is also the end of his uh, MVP hopes um, as well. But again, he's he's still putting up monster here. Um, and the thing that kind of sinks for 49ers is they still have the Falcons on their schedule, so that may end up being a little bit of a feisty game. Um, but my lock of the week, I took the Vikings minus 10. Um, now this one... I was looking looking at all, all the games this morning when I woke up and just Vikings at home versus a worse opponent. I, I like that very much. And in my head, for whatever reason, this morning when I was foggy pre-coffee choosing my lock of the week, I was like, oh, yeah, they lost last week to the Cowboys, which they obviously didn't. But I tweeted out the, <laughs> the Vikings against the spread after a loss and they're eight and one with Kirk Cousins and in those scenarios. And then as soon as I realized what I did after I had a few sips of my coffee, I was like, that's such a bad omen. And, and it was the Broncos got off to a hot start. They're up 20 and nothing at the half people, uh, jumping on, on Kirk Cousins grave, burying him, uh, can't get it done. Um, but give the Vikings some credit here. I, I put a little on them, uh, live when they were down 14 nothing to win the game so I was hoping they'd be able to at least do that um, but going into the fourth quarter they were down 23 to 7 the Vikings scored 20 unanswered and my my bet actually had legs at one point when uh, Brandon McManus he missed a field goal when it was 23 to 20 Broncos Vikings came down scored a touchdown there's about six minutes to go and I was like oh wow the Vikings actually were like a Brandon Allen pick six away from from this action Actually hitting didn't happen now Brandon Allen's numbers were pretty bad he was 17 to 39 240 yards one touchdown one pick but Tyler did you watch their last drive because he actually made some some nice plays he didn't something you point out that that was a good point when he actually picked up a, a fourth down rushing uh inside the red zone the Broncos were out of timeouts and he probably had a chance instead of fighting for an extra yard when he was on like the eight to just get out of bounds and save them some time so that was that was a mistake by him but I thought he actually he looked pretty good and he's two and out against the spread as a starter now so that's that's on me yeah, he was decent. I mean, the Broncos just completely mismanaged that last possession. 
Fangio challenged a pass interference right before the two minute. That was so terrible. Like that barely ever gets overturned. Why waste a timeout on that? It was horrible because at the end of the, like that play you mentioned with Allen, having an additional timeout would have helped in that situation. And also when they had first and goal, like you, you could still run it if you have the timeout. So terribly coach game. And it feels like Denver has been in this game like every week so far where they go up early and then just like take their foot off the gas and let the other team come back. They did it versus the Colts. I feel like it's happened a couple other games. And where's this stat? The Broncos haven't scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter for six straight games. That tells you all you need to know. They they just can't complete these games. They're three and seven. They realistically could have five or six wins and be right in the playoff picture. They have to feel sick to their stomach about this one, blowing a 20 nothing lead. Um, I know it was on the road, but you have to finish that game. They just kept giving the Vikings chan- more chances. And in the first half, it felt like the Vikings didn't even have the ball. Like every time I would check, the Broncos had the game or had the ball in the red zone and they were going down. So I don't know what they do, why they get so tentative at the end of the games. They play not to lose. They don't play to win. So that's something they have to change. Um, but like you said, you kind of did have a chance at the end to cover. And I texted you, and I'll be honest, I, I was rooting against uh, you in that situation because I didn't want you to get that BS backdoor cover and then rub it in my face. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I was rooting against you. Yeah, that karma. That karma will catch up uh, just like your your fading Falcons loser did. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins, you ended up putting together a nice game, over 300 yards, three touchdowns. The Vikings only rushed for... 37 yards as a team um so for them to pull out a victory in in those conditions uh only rushing for less than 40 yards i think that's a big win for them and they kind of keep pace with the packers in the in the nfc north or game back but um we'll see i mean this vikings team is legit i mean adam thielen was out Stephon Diggs had another big game. Um, they, they, again, they just have a lot of playmakers, and the defense has has regressed a little bit the last couple of weeks. But um, they're 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 one of the heavy hitters in the NFC, and definitely, I, I think for us as 49ers fans, we don't want we don't want them to get a, a home game uh, in the playoff. Like that's not a team you want to play in Minnesota. They're just a different team there in that environment. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely better at home. Um, just playing them in general doesn't really scare me. But like you said, they are good at home, and they are still alive for a bye, which feels kind of crazy. Um, you know, they, they have the Packers one more time on the schedule, and the Packers play the 49ers next week, which is a huge game. So five outside of <clears throat> the Eagles and the Cowboys, whoever comes out of the NFC East, the other five playoff teams in the NFC right now all have a chance to get home field so it'll be really fun and a lot of those teams play each other so it'll be definitely fun down the stretch let's move on to our grandpa Billy's bum the week to wrap up the pod I'll go first um I'm going to college football I'm going to our Hoosiers um Tom 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 Allen just with a pristinely Tom Allen game why I still call him cheerleader Allen because um, that's all he does. He's a cheerleader on the sidelines, screaming at the officials and screaming catchphrases, trying to get the team pumped up. He's definitely brought the team further along, um, you know, on their rebuild process or whatever you would call it, their trajectory to becoming a better football program. But yesterday was a game at Penn State. They outplayed Penn State for the majority of the game, and you come away with a loss, and it was painful. Um, so he's my grandpa Billy's bone of the week because the IU football team, the players played great. There were obviously a couple mistakes, but his management at points of the game was just atrocious. Yeah. So where do we even start here? Because um, for IU football to go into State College and only lose by three at high level face value with a backup quarterback, I think a lot of, of casual IU fans would be like, oh, no, that's that's nice. Um, but should we talk about you uh, sparring on, on the internet streets afterwards with with some IU football bloggers and and about moral victory parades? I think our listeners would, would appreciate hearing more on that because I know um, I definitely got quite a bit out of entertainment out of it yesterday <laughs> afternoon. 
Yeah, so I mean, the thing <laughs> I issue with IU um, football over these years is they always play these games versus top teams. We play Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State every year because the way the divisions work in the Big Ten, which is a travesty that that's the way it's set up because it's so unfair and the divisions are so imbalanced. But so every year we play these teams, we always come down to the wire um, versus most of them and always like lose like this. And people will always say, oh, it's great, you know, how far the teams come. It's like at some point in, in college sports, especially football, basketball, like winning these marquee games is what takes your program to the next level. So just saying, oh, it's great to see how far they came in a road game versus Penn State isn't OK. <laughs> they shot themselves in the foot repeatedly through this game. They had the muff punt at the beginning of the game. The fake punt decision by Tom Allen was atrocious. It was fourth and one. They have the ball in their own 40 to start the second half. If you want to go for it, that's fine. Line up an offense and go for it. Do a normal play. The offense played great yesterday. But instead, they call Apparent, a time. Apparently, out. that was a mistake. Uh, because then, I was talking to Dad earlier today, and apparently the, the guy who caught the ball on the fake punt, was that wasn't supposed to happen. No, yeah, I saw that, that. They basically lined up in a weird formation, wanted to see what Penn State was going to do. And if it was favorable, they would run the fake punt. Why would Penn State not think you can do a fake punt after calling a timeout on a fourth and one? No shit they're going to be ready for that. So why put a freshman long snapper in the position on the road to have to hear when they're audibling out of the fake punt? It makes no sense. The play gets blown up. Penn State goes down, scores a touchdown. Huge turning point in the game. And then IU uh, ends up fighting back. They're down 13. They have fourth and goal at the six. They kicked a field goal, which is a little questionable. Um, then they get a stop, get the ball back, score again. They're down three with like eight. No, there's like 10 minutes left in the game, and the defense just can't get a stop, which is Tom Allen's supposed to be his bread and butter. He was a defensive He's the defensive coordinator before taking over the head coach. The defense has regressed this year. The offense is really what keeps this team going, so... It was super frustrating. They couldn't get a big stop. So then I was super irritated after the game. Um, and I knew I literally tweeted out at, right as the game was ending. I can't wait for the IU football moral victory brigade to praise the fight of this team and how far they've come. And I added some more after that. Like people again. So I knew this was coming. The one person who tweeted it, I knew was going to say it. Um, so, yeah, we got into a little bit of a spat. Do you want to, I guess, give a outside perspective on it? Yeah, so I mean, <clears throat> as someone who who bet on IU plus fourteen and a half, um, and and I was with a group of uh, who's your friends, we we sprinkled a little on IU money line when Penn State got the ball back on their last drive when we're down three, it was plus seven fifty. So it was like, uh, like why not uh, take a little bit of a chance? So. I mean, it was the slow death of IU football, the predictable slow death of IU football. I was hoping we'd at least be able to hold them to a field goal and get the ball back down six with a chance to potentially win on the road. Um, but again, it's I have I have three more years of experience uh, watching these games and certainly not with the same level of uh, intensity or anything like that, but just the consistent letdown. Um, so I think for me, it, it, I I obviously again I'm not one of three IU football fans on the planet. You are, but just watching this unravel on Twitter just was unbelievable. Um, I think <laughs> I think you going back and forth with uh, one of like an IU blogger who has a pretty good following actually. Um, one of the preeminent IU basketball guys. Uh, he tweets some he tweets something out basically saying it's a disappointing loss, but don't lose sight of the forest for the trees. Um, this staff has IU football genuinely believing in itself, even as stars go down. That doesn't often happen here. You go, this is a bad take. He goes back, no, it's not. You go, let me know when the moral victory parade is. Um, and then you just kept going. I mean, this is like a six or seven um tweet thread and then at the end it was it was very nice you extend an olive branch saying yes we're definitely ticking up but it would be nice to actually finish one of these games for that signature win which again we've won seven games but we still have not beat anyone um i think our our losses at penn state and at michigan state i mean two two winnable games and uh we actually the most the most disappointing part for me um 
Sorry, let me finish reading this tweet. I'm all over the place. So you said, I agree with your other tweet, though. We're beating Michigan next week. Can we celebrate together when it happens? So that was very that was very uh, responsible and mature of you, Tyler. He said, for sure, exclamation mark. So that was good. Uh, you mended ties there. We can't make that many enemies on the Twitter streets. Again, we're still small and growing. Um, but the thing that was most disappointing was... There's, there was still a path for us to potentially make the Rose Bowl, which is a crazy thing to say, but that's what I was actually most excited about. Like, if we actually beat Penn State, if Minnesota lost yesterday, which they ended up di- ended up doing, um, obviously Ohio State seems like nobody's stopping them, but there was a path where if we won out, Minnesota lost that and ended up losing to Ohio State in the uh, Big Ten Championship that the Hoosiers could have been smelling the roses, which has been a long running joke with me and my friends. You smell the roses. And I mean, we smelled them for a little bit yesterday, but ultimately IU football just, they, there's like kind of a fire extinguisher that puts out the scent every single time. Yeah. So I was very <laughs> irritated about it. Um, the officiating in the game didn't help. There was a tweet going around today that there was a blatant hold on one of the Penn state touchdowns that wasn't called the targeting that was missed was horrible. Um, WAP failure. I I use I use uh, receiver um, basically got his head decapitated and they didn't call targeting. So it was terrible. Penn State was only called for one penalty, zero yards in the game. So a little home cooking. Um, Joe Pa knew for 40 years. People don't forget. So fr- frustrating for sure. Um, hopefully IU can be Michigan next week. I'm not as confident. I, I did really think they were going to win yesterday going into the game. I thought that was the better matchup. Michigan's pulling really well right now. and I just don't think Penn State's that good, but enough IU football talk for this podcast. Who's your Grandpa Billy Bum of the Week? So my Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week, I'm changing uh, sports here a little bit, and I'm going with the Houston Astros. Um, kind Uh-oh. of a while. What did you say? <laughs> just said uh oh, yeah. Uh oh, changing changing paths here. Houston Astros story comes out this week uh, through the Athletic, essentially that the Astros since 2017 have been uh, essentially stealing signs by using a camera in center field and essentially setting up a system for home games where the camera is stealing the sign and then in the dugout someone's essentially like banging a trash can um, as a way of relaying the message to the batter, which. It seems like this actually is is going to end up being true from everything that I've read so far. Mike Fires, a former pitcher, admitted it. Carlos Beltran, who's on the team and no comment, or, or sorry, I, I think he, let me get this right. Um, I know Alex Cora had no comment, but a couple days after, uh, what's his name, Beltran gets hired by the Mets. He gets thrown straight into this. Uh, yeah, he said... Yeah, Beltran insisted the Astros did nothing against the rules. Alex Cora, now the Red Sox manager, who was the bench coach in 2017, um, he's he's declined to comment. So just all in all, kind of a sketchy situation. Um, now the Astros are one of the best teams in baseball. Obviously, they lost in the World Series this past year, but again, are still set up for a ton of success going forward, even if they don't re-sign Garrett Cole. Um, but just... A story that's like very wild like we had the pats got in trouble for um for what spygate a few years back but this seems like at a whole nother level tyler like this is a quick humble brag as two former high school baseball players like if you knew when uh pitchers actually throwing a curveball or a changeup, that's a ridiculous advantage for sure. Um, I feel like people knew they were cheating for a year, like the last couple of years. It was known that they're doing something and there seemed like there were a lot of complaints about it, but they weren't able to kind of like locate it. But now it seems like, you know, factual stuff is starting to come out. And, you know, guys sent an email about it to a scout, apparently something about uh, stealing signs. Like, why the fuck are you putting that on email? Like, how dumb are you? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's stupid. true. As, as an IT person, you know better. I think as anyone who has used email before should know that it's so stupid. Um, I hope they are like punished severely. I know other teams steal signs, but this seems like so coordinated and like they're legitimately like setting up cameras and cheating like significantly. I think guys tipping pitches is one thing, but it seems like they're going like above and beyond to cheat. And it's not like it's like we're giant fans. It's not like it's impacted us, but it's just like 
it's like irritating and it's a bad look for the baseball to have it going on and a team that's been so great the last few years to find out a lot of it might be because they're cheating it's frustrating so i hope they are kind of you know punished severely i don't know what that's going to be with draft picks like maybe they lose salary cap or i don't know how it's going to work exactly um but i hope they are punished severely because it's a bad look and it's they're directly cheating like you said if you're going up there knowing it's going to be a fastball and then a change up like that gives you such an advantage yeah it's it's an insane advantage and i think like baseball's had obviously a number of scandals steroids everything like that but like this this is really bad the fact that it seems like it was systemic and coming from the top and trying to figure out a way of of basically just like knowing what pitch is coming is such a ridiculous advantage um and it and it is a bit of a shame because i think the astros were and i mean i guess they still are one of the more exciting teams in baseball to watch and like actually have personalities that are fun uh to follow and in alex bregman and altuve and george springer is like i think he's one of the more enjoyable people to watch at bat um so this kind of tarnishes in my eyes i guess we'll ultimately see what what the final uh tale of the tape is and, and what the punishment is and what um and if it is widespread across other teams but um I, I agree with what you're saying. I think it, it is something that uh, happens in baseball in terms of like people tipping off pitches or um, things like that. But the use of technology is, is kind of wild. And there's, there, you know, Tyler, there's no place in the game for that. Mm, for sure. And like you mentioned, like Beltron and Cora, who are involved with it apparently, like they're both managing other teams. So like, like you said, who knows how widespread it really is that people are going to these lengths of cheating. So hopefully the MLB is able to give them a good punishment. And it seems like the Astros are kind of arrogant in the way that the Warriors have been. Obviously not now that, you know, they've lost all those guys and aren't great. But, you know, when the Warriors, uh, I think it was Joe Lacob said they, they're light years ahead of the rest of the league and stuff like that. It just feels like the Astros had a similar vibe, and it's like, well, if you were cheating like this, it would make sense why you had such an advantage. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, but I think Tyler, you're right now. We're in the second quarter of this Bears Rams game. You were very confident. Rams minus three and a half oh, alternative fuck. line. It's it's not it's not looking great so far, but uh, we'll see we'll see ultimately how this this bad boy ends. Yeah, placing any faith in a Mitch Trubisky-led offense was definitely a mistake. Uh, it seems like, you know, I've been following it on my computer as we're doing this. It seems like they've had their chances and can't finish it, so I'm sure that'll be a loss. Um, the Bears are terrible. Trubisky's terrible, so it gives me a little nice validation there, uh, being right about that. He's already thrown the ball 22 times in the first half. Matt Nagy continues to uh, really impress me as a play caller. But that's all we got for the Sunday Scariest Pod, and we'll be back this week with the Pick'em. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.